Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to start Matthew chapter 4 talking about the temptation of Jesus. And Matthew says that Jesus was led out by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by, uh, by the devil. And for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. And during that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And the next, the devil took him uh, to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I'll give it all to you. If you'll kneel down and worship me. And Jesus said, Get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say, You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. There is a whole lot of stuff going on in these passages, but uh, in these verses, but the very first verse is, is short and sweet but it's packed with a lot of stuff when matthew says jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil and we are supposed to be led by the spirit correct i mean that that's that's what the bible tells us that's what paul tells us over and over again romans chapter 8 14 for all who are being led by the spirit of god these are the sons of God. Galatians 5.18 But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So if we're being led then by the Spirit, then that should mean that we don't have any control over where we're going. The Spirit takes us where He wants us. If He is truly our leader, we allow Him to lead and we have no control very hard for us to do it to to not have control because it's just our nature we want to be in control of where we're going that's why uh i, I never taught my kids to drive uh their mom had to do that because i i i was just i couldn't do it i, I could not sit in the passenger seat it made me too nervous i was afraid whatever however you want to word that uh but their mom had to teach them how to drive she was more bold and more brave than i am i guess because I like to be behind the wheel. I like to be uh, with. I like to have my hands on that steering wheel, so I can be in control of that car. And the Bible makes it plain and makes it clear that we are to be led by the Spirit of God. And if we're being led by the Spirit of God, that means we don't have control. We don't get to say uh, where we go, where He leads you know he he will take our passions i mean god knows us better than we know ourselves 
So he's going to take our talents that we have and our personalities, and he's going to put us where God can be glorified, where we can use our talents that he has blessed us with, that we can uh, take our faith and, and let him shine through us. But we have to be uh, willing to allow the Spirit of God to lead us because he knows where it's best for us to be, to be used and for God to be glorified in our lives. But it's so hard because we think we know best. We, we think that uh, we got to be in control. So it's so hard to let go of that steering wheel. And, and like Carrie Underwood said, Jesus, take the wheel. It's, it's, it's very hard to do. It's easy to read Bible verses and say, hey, we're to be led by the Spirit of God. It's easy for me to sit behind this microphone and tell people we have to be led by the Spirit of God. But it's, it's not uh, an easy thing to do. It's very difficult because we want to be in control. But if we're being led by the Spirit of God, that means we do not have control over where we're going. The Spirit takes us where He wants us. Let me give you some examples. Acts 13, 14. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And that's Luke talking about Paul and his companions. They were led out. They were sent out by the Holy Spirit, and they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. Being led by the Spirit is the key point there. Acts 16, verse 6, they passed through Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Paul was wanting to go to Asia. Holy Spirit says, nope, I need you to go here. You're going to go in this direction. And so that's what he did. He listened and he was obedient. Acts 8, 29, then the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. And that's when... Uh, Philip, uh, they had persecution had come to Jerusalem. The church is scattered because of the persecution. And <clears throat> Philip is, uh, is preaching the gospel, and, he, and, and the Holy Spirit says, Hey, you need to go here because th there's a guy, a eunuch, he's on the, this chariot. You need to go run and catch up with the chariot and, and, and explain to this guy uh, what he's reading. And so Philip does that. He, he catches up with the chariot, and he's walking or running beside the chariot. And he hears the guy or sees the guy read. He says, what are you reading? He's, and he tells him the passage. And there's a passage out of Isaiah talking about Jesus, a prophecy about Jesus. And Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He says, well, how can I understand it unless I have somebody to explain it to me? Well, because the Holy Spirit, Spirit sent Philip to this man, this eunuch, Philip climbs up in the chariot, explains to him Jesus right there at the scriptures, the passage that he was reading. And as they're going along, God says, hey, well, right there's some water. What's keeping me from being baptized? So they stop the chariot. They get out and they go baptize the guy. Uh, now, listen to this. After sharing Jesus with the eunuch and baptizing him, in Acts chapter 8, verses uh, 9 through, let's see, 39 and 40, it says, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. And by the way, he would settle down with his family, his four daughters that prophesied in Caesarea. But the Holy Spirit literally, like you've seen them, those machines with the claw it comes down and it picks up the little stuffed animal or whatever's in there and it, and it grabs it and it brings it over to the hole and, and then 
if you're fortunate enough to get it over there, it drops your prize down into the hole and it comes out. That, I mean, that's literally what the Holy Spirit did. They they go down in the water. Philip's going to baptize him for the remission of his sins. They both come up out of the water, and it's like just Philip vanished out of just nowhere. And the guy standing there by himself, and he doesn't see Philip ever again. And and the Holy Spirit literally snatched Philip up out of that water and placed him on down the road in this town called Azotus. And that's, that's pretty cool. And if, if we are allowing the Spirit to lead, then we don't have a say in where we're going. And, and there, here's some great examples, especially this one here with Philip in Acts chapter 8. And, and if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us, then there's no telling where He's going to take us. And that's, that's the scary part of it because we're not in control. He is in control. And He knows better. You, you, you probably seen those memes those pictures uh where it says my plan and it's a straight line and it's just easy going and it says god's plan and it's and it's the line is just going in all different directions it's like a big squiggly line and then it finally ends up at some point um when we allow the holy spirit to lead us and we go where god wants us to go it's not always easy and sometimes it, it, it can be very difficult as we're going to see here in just a minute but the spirit had just came down from heaven right when jesus was baptized in chapter 3 by john the baptizer in the jordan river the spirit came down in the form of a dove and it landed on jesus signifying to john that this is the messiah this is the guy the one that they've been looking for for a long time and um that happened when he had come up out of the water being baptized by John. And so right after that, Jesus, of course, he allows the Spirit to lead him. And the first place the Spirit takes him is the wilderness. And this is what I'm talking about it being difficult. Because some of you, under the sound of my voice right now, are in the wilderness. And the wilderness is not a fun place to be at all. There's a lack of food, there's a lack of nutrition, there's a lack of drink in the wilderness. Um, when we are in the wilderness, we are weak. And when we're weak, we become vulnerable. And that's what happens in the wilderness. Another thing that happens in the wilderness is temptation. Because when we're weak and we're vulnerable, that's when Satan likes to attack when we're down and out when we're not as alert as we should be and so temptations start coming and this is exactly what happens to jesus but remember if you are in the wilderness the wilderness is where we learn many many valuable lessons and one being that we have to put our faith our trust in god and know that he is with us and he has our best interest in mind and he will never leave us nor forsake us but he will walk with us through and through until the end and you may be in the wilderness and asking god why because the wilderness is not a fun place it, it's it's a very difficult place to be in but remember uh the holy spirit led jesus from from being baptized in the jordan river he led him straight to 
the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. Jesus was in the wilderness, like I said, 40 days and 40 nights. And while he was there, he fasted. I just want to talk about fasting just for a minute because this was a complete fast. I've never done this before. I'm, I'm just, I don't want to say I'm not that spiritual, but I, I just, I don't, I'm not, I can't do this. I like to eat and I like to drink way too much. Um, but Jesus had no food or no drink for 40 days. And, and I got to think about fasting and how little I fast. I mean, this is a, this is a spiritual discipline that I really drop the ball on. And, and so I got to think, why do people fast in the first place? And, and the first thing I thought of is that Jesus assumed that we would be people who fast. I mean, the Jews that he was, uh, that he was preaching to when he first come on the scene, now they fasted on a regular basis. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, it says, but this is Jesus talking. He says, but when you fast, see, he, he, he just assumes that we're are going to be people who fast. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. But Jesus says, when you fast, assuming then that we're going to be people who fast. So why fast? Well, Fasting helps us focus on God better. We're saying, I need you, God, more than I need this food, more than I need drink. And I've known people who have fasted for days and days and, and uh, even gone on these 40-day fasts like Jesus did. And they had to, you know, you have to do this under a doctor's care. You have to be really careful with that. And I've known people who fasted food for a day, drink for a day, uh, or a, a few days, or, or or they fasted from social media. They fasted, you know, from cell phone use, or you know, whatever. They 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 come up with all these different kinds of fasts. But it, it it's really a discipline. It's it, it's self discipline. I I need you, God, more than I need this. I want to be closer to you, so I'm going to give this up because this has control of my life, and I want you to have control of my life. So fasting then helps us to focus on God better. Many Christians fast when they have an important decision to make or if they need God to move in their lives. They'll, they will fast. People fast for health reasons. Uh, control blood sugar, uh, fights inflammation, fasting improves blood pressure, and it also helps with weight loss. Jesus knew what was coming and because he was going to be led out into the wilderness by the Spirit, and he knew that Satan was going to come and tempt him. And so he was fasting, in my opinion, to in order to concentrate on his task, to be close to God, to be prepared, to be ready when the devil comes along with his temptations so that he would not sin because he had to be our sacrifice, our perfect sacrifice. And he was, and he did. He never sinned. He he conquered Satan. And how did he conquer Satan? Well, we'll see that here in just a second. But when Satan comes against Jesus there in the desert, he's been fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights. He's hungry and he's thirsty. And the first thing that Satan is going to come and attack Jesus with is food. 
because he knows that he's been fasting there in the desert and he knows that he's hungry. And and the the things that Satan uses to tempt us, to get us to sin, to get us to go against God's will, that's what sin is, is the same thing that he's been using since the Garden of Eden. He used the same tactics on Jesus, and he uses the same tactics on us as he did with Adam and Eve. In 1 John 2.16, it says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And we know who the prince of the world is for now, and that is Satan. These three temptations, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that is the three tactics that Satan used against Adam and Eve. It's the same tactics he used against Jesus, and it's the same tactics that he uses against us today. And that's why Ephesians 6 is so important about uh, putting on the armor of God and standing against the schemes of the devil. So I encourage you to read uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, starting around verse 10 and following. But the lust of the flesh um, is the first thing that the, that Satan used against Jesus to try to get him to sin. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He's hungry. He's thirsty. And so the devil says, if you are the Son of God, and we know that Jesus is the Son of God, but Satan's trying to, you know, trying to worm his way in there and get him to doubt just a little bit. If you are the Son of God, then prove it. Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can, can Jesus... Could he have turned those stones into bread? Absolutely. If he can take two fish and five loaves of bread and feed over 15, 10 to 15, 20,000 people, this is nothing. And he he, could, he even said uh, when, when the people were praising him and, and the religious leaders were telling him to, to keep their mouth shut, he says, hey, if these people don't praise me, these rocks are going to cry out. So if he can make a rock cry out praises to him, it's nothing for him to take a stone and turn it into bread. So yes, he could have done that. But he tells Satan, no, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so he's saying what's more important here is not that I can turn these stones into bread and and have some food if I want it, but I already have food because I have the word of God, which is a whole lot more important important than turning these stones into bread the second thing is the pride of life verse 5 says the devil took him to the holy city jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said if you are see here it is again he's trying to get he's trying to get jesus to doubt or prove himself if you are the son of god jump off for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. That's just common sense, isn't it? Don't, you know, if you're up high, yeah, if you are the son of God, yet yeah, your angels, they'll catch you. 
we don't have that privilege. We're we're not Jesus. We're not the Son of God. And common sense says, you know, if I go up real high and I jump off, when I hit the ground, I'm either going to be hurt really bad or I'm going to die. And so here's Satan testing Jesus, tempting Jesus with the pride of life. He's already tried lust of flesh. Here it is, the pride of life. If you are the Son of God, jump off because the Scripture said that the angels are going to rescue you. But see, Jesus knew his his uh, mission, and that was the cross. And so he would not gain anything by jumping off uh, of of this high point of the temple. He he don't he does not have to prove to Satan that he is the Son of God. Jesus knows who he is. He knows he he just had. Uh, the voice of the Father come down from heaven and say, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And all the people around when Jesus was baptized heard that voice. So Jesus doesn't have to prove anything to the devil. And so Jesus responds. The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Would the angels, if Jesus would have jumped, would the angels come and rescue him? Absolutely. But he didn't have to prove nothing to the devil. And then we got the third one, the lust of the eyes. It says, next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. See, the, the lust of the eyes. Look at all this stuff, Jesus. I'll give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And that's crazy because Jesus created all this. Paul tells us in Colossians and John tells us in the Gospels that Jesus created everything and there was nothing made without him. And we know from Genesis 1 when the scriptures say, verse 26, let us make man in our image. The word for God is Elohim. It's, it's a plural. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were all three there in creation. So all this already belongs to God. So what is Satan trying to offer Jesus that he hadn't already owned? That all belongs to Jesus. It all belongs to God. The devil... He paints a beautiful picture as if he's got something to offer, but he has nothing to offer us. We we already have it all. If we belong to God and we're work, walking with Jesus and we're being led by the Spirit, we have everything that we need. This world has nothing to offer us whatsoever. Because when we take our last breath, it's all going to stay behind anyway. We can't take it with us. And the only thing that, that matters is what Jesus said in, in the very first temptation the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. I need that. I need the word of God more than I need bread, more than I need to prove that I'm who I am. And I sure don't need all this stuff from the world. Because even if I had everything that the world has to offer, and I had all the money that the world has to offer, when I take my last breath, it's not going to do me any good. I'm going to be standing before a holy God. And the only thing that's going to matter is the word of God. And if I live by it or not, and if I was obedient to it, and that I gave my life to Christ and, and was following Jesus, was baptized for the remission of my sins. None of that money, none of that riches, all this worldly stuff, it's not going to matter at that point. The only thing that will matter is if I was washed in the blood of Jesus. 
And then Matthew says, The devil went away, in verse 11, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Now, this may be the only time that Jesus' tempt, uh, temptations are recorded. And I think they're in the other Gospels too. But uh, Luke 4.13 says, When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So there was other opportunities. This is not the only time Satan came around to tempt Jesus. It's the only time that it is recorded that we know of. But the devil came back around. Uh, to try to get Jesus to fall once again. And and this is important for us because <clears throat> we know that Satan tempts us, right? And he tries to get us to fall. He tries to get us to sin. And, and when he fails, when we throw the Word of God, and that's how we defeat him with the Word of God, right? That's why it's so important to be in the Word and to know the Word. So when Satan comes... It, to distract us, we can tell them to get lost because we're being led by the Spirit and we're uh, uh, eating on, feasting on the Word of God. And uh, when He comes and He leaves, it's awesome, but just know that he, He's going to come back around at some point. And so it's so important that we stay in the Word and be focused on Jesus at all times. That's why it says, "Be alert, be sober." Your adversary, the devil, it, it is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. First Peter, I believe, it's five eight. But we have to be alert. We have to be sober. We got to watch out at all times because he's going to come around. He's going to try to get us to fall. He's going to trip, try to trip us up and get us to sin. Um, so we need to be in the Word and we need to be focused on Jesus. So keep, keep in your memory that our Savior, He has been in the wilderness and He knows what the wilderness is like. He knows how hard it is. He knows how difficult it is and what goes on in the wilderness. And also keep in mind that what He used while in the wilderness was the Word of God. And I just mentioned that. So it's crucial, crucial, crucial that we are in the Word every day. Every day. No matter what we're facing in this life, the Bible has an answer for it and how to get through it. Um, because what happened when the devil left Jesus? The angels came and ministered to him. And if we will let the Spirit lead, if we will stay faithful in the wilderness, because it's hard in the wilderness, and so we have to stay faithful in the wilderness, if we would do that, if we would be in the Word, allowing God to speak to us, through his word, then guess what? God's going to minister to us. He promised to do it. He, he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's why it says in Hebrews, when we just studied the book of Hebrews and broke it down, that we are to come boldly before the throne of grace that we can find help in time of need. But we got to be led by the Spirit, and we got to be feasting on the Word of God. And when we feast on the Word of God, we're, in Psalm 1, it talks about the person who is feasting on the Word of God and how their roots are planted by the stream, and, and, and they're just fruitful at all times, and they're, and they're, they're strong. 
Why? Because of the Word of God. And that's where we find our strength is in Jesus. We look at our Savior. He was tempted in every way that we were tempted, yet He never sinned. But the book of Hebrews tells us that since He was tempted in in, in every way that we are, and He's been here and done that, and He's got the t-shirt, He knows what we're going through. And since He's been there, he, He can help us through it. But we can't shrink back from him. We've got to draw near to him. And the Bible says he will draw near to us. So I just want to just say before we end this podcast to, number one, know that the wilderness is hard. Number two, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you wherever he wants to go. And if he chooses to take you to a wilderness... Be in the Word and stay in the Word and use the Word while you're in the wilderness to focus on God. Because when you use the Word and you're in the Word, God will speak to you. God will help you through whatever situation you are facing. He promises to and He will do just that. Stay faithful, my friends. If I can help you in any way, pray for you, anything that I can do for you, email me at thegrindedpodcast at gmail.com. God bless you. Have a great day and keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.